What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Near Falls with D. Hall. Just a quick heads up for you guys. I did have one little technical difficulty during this podcast. Coach Slack ended up having to restart a story. But other than that, man, what a great story this has for you guys. From the time that Coach Slack was homeless at 14 years old to finding a steady home. Absolutely incredible. Um, Really, really good story. Just a quick announcement also I have for you guys. For those of you that are out there that are fantasy football guys, I also do a fantasy football podcast once a week. Um, It's called Fantasy 1.01. My co-host is Jake Ripp. Um, we talk about all things fantasy uh, football. Really intelligent. We've been playing it for over 15 years now. Great information. So if you guys get a chance, check that out for me. Really, really cool stuff. I think you'll enjoy it. For now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into Near Falls with D. Hall, a wrestling podcast. Here we go. Welcome into another edition of Near Falls with D. Hall Wrestling Podcast. Today we have a super special guest in for you guys. None other than, none other than Coach Slack from Canamac, as he's called. Uh, the great junior high coach. It's been, been there for many, many, many seasons, 20 years. Um, before we get into all that, I got a couple shout-outs that I want to give. Um, Mr. Eric Evans, man, you've been so helpful to me, uh, kind of doing the audio editing side of things uh, you're just a wizard with computer, man, and, and I really, really appreciate it. Uh, Mr. Brandon Healy, kind of doing all my video, uh, my picture editing. So, you know, when I when I go to uh, promote the podcast, you know, it's very cool looking and it's very appealing and, and creating the logos for me and things of that nature. So, uh, guys, I really, really appreciate all your help for me. I, I really do. Um, and with that being said, I, I have a new uh, podcast that I've been kind of – kicking the tires on and promoting uh it's the d3 nation podcast it's with anthony and Janera bonaventure uh they started it about a week ago they're two episodes in um and it's very very informative on the uh, d3 landscape um i listened to the first episode about a week ago and just the information that they gave me was absolutely incredible they they really talked uh very well uh because they know the landscape so well they've been been in it for 10 years uh anthony's a coach at um, Stevens University in New York and Gennaro is at his alma mater in Waynesburg. So very, very cool. Um, with that being said, I'm going to get right into uh, this interview here with Coach Slack from Cannon Mac. Uh, I've, I've talked to, to Coach Slack a little bit off air and uh, super excited to have him on. He's kind of, he's a, honestly, if you love wrestling and you kind of love the process of wrestling, he's the perfect follow on Instagram. He really speaks very well and very passionately about the sport. And you guys will see that you'll really enjoy the stories that he has for all you guys. It's um, very, very cool. But that being said, I'm going to get into some of his uh, accolades. Um, So in 2018, he was selected as the section Whippeal and Pennsylvania Junior High uh, State Coach of the Year, which is uh, very, very impressive. Um, He's won... He's coached all three uh, levels, uh, or all, all three styles, folk style, freestyle, and Greco-Roman. Um, 
In the past 20 years at Cannon Mac, yes, you guys heard that right, 20 years he's been the head coach, head junior high coach at Cannon McMillan. He has compiled a career record of 262 wins and 18 losses. He's won eight, 17 section championships. There's been 28 PJW state champions that's come through his program, including three PA female state champions. And last but more importantly than anything, more than 80% of his students are on auto roll. Often, often tutoring during practice time. So that right there tells you guys a little bit about what we're going to get into with Coach Slack. Uh, he's a great man, and I'm super excited to have him on. With that being said, let's bring him in. Hey, Coach Slack, how you doing, buddy? I'm uh, doing very good, Donnie. Um, you know, uh, how about yourself? Hanging in there, man. Just trying to awesome. keep on plugging away. Absolutely. So uh, first of all, I want to just uh, give you a huge thanks, uh, not only for inviting me, but more importantly than that, um, for what you're doing for the sport of wrestling. Uh, anyone that knows me, such as yourself and your brother and Coach Waters, who coached you, um, knows that uh, um, you'll probably not find uh, you know too many people that, that uh, love the sport of wrestling as much as, as I do. Uh, maybe a lot of equals, but uh, you know I love it with all my heart. So I appreciate what you're doing for the sport and uh, I'm super excited about this invite and the interview. Thanks. I really appreciate it. And you know I've been kind of talking to other guests and I, I said I've been saying uh, that if one person catches or one young kid catches this podcast and kind of catches the bug and wrestles because of it, I've de- I've done my job because I, I really uh, talk a lot about on on this platform uh, how important the sport is just to for young men and young women um, just to kind of grow as a person. But we're we're definitely going to get into all that because you know that that's like one of the main reasons I'm bringing you on and. Uh, you know, I'll kind of start everything like this. So I first found, uh, you know, I knew about you from uh, my brother's younger days. And I just knew that you're always that coach from Cannon Mac with a big old beard. You know what I mean? I never knew anything about you. I just knew you were that coach from Cannon Mac that had the, you know, now it's all gray. But when I was, you know, coming up, you had the black beard, right? Right. Um, so, you know, your son Malachi wrestled my brother when they were in youth. And, um yeah you know, I reconnected and I found you on Instagram, like literally probably uh, two weeks before I started doing the podcast. So um, I just loved how you talk uh, about everything on your, on your Instagram account and kind of how you, you, you feed everything. So, and we're going to get into all that, but that's kind of how I wanted to set, set the stage for this interview. With that being said, let's get into your start in wrestling. You told me off the air you started in eighth grade. So in eighth grade, you're at like 13 years old. Can you talk to me about how you started? And um, obviously, we'll get into the um, – you told me that at age 14 that you, you hit a real rough patch in your life. Can you, uh, can you get into that for me? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, uh, like, just like you had mentioned, uh, eighth grade – as uh, my first uh, official year of wrestling, um, you know, I had some good friends, most notably Jason Damon, Mark Angle, Chuck Murdy, these these guys, uh, you know, and uh, they were, you know, had been wrestling since they were little. And uh, they had actually tried to get me to wrestle before this, but I really didn't know anything about it. And, um, you know, um, their families were super into wrestling and, and I kind of had a, a broken home life, which, you know, you kind of led into a little bit here. And so there was no one really encouraging me to do uh, anything, especially in a wrestling direction. But finally, by eighth grade, I had uh, 
gotten so close with these friends and um and and it was kind of the combination of two things i just mentioned um you know having sort of a a challenging home life as a child and having some really good friends in the community uh that happened to be wrestlers and um so you know i would stay over jason damai's house uh for weeks at a time you know um you know i would stay at jerry dean chuck murray other wrestlers on my you know that were my peers at their houses and so uh, it really gave me uh, a place um, to belong at first. Uh, these were really good friends of mine. And uh, that first year in eighth grade, as soon as I started wrestling, not only did it give me a place to belong, you know, with the uh, rough spells that I'd gone through in my personal life, it gave me a place to uh, release some of that pent up emotion that I was carrying around. Gave me a release, you know, because I, I you know, we were being asked to come in and be aggressive and to take each other down and hold each other down and these types of things. So, and I, and I, you know, I immediately fell in love with it, you know, um, because, you know, the combination of those two things, um, you know, by May of that first year of wrestling, also the wrestling season, um, you know, November to March, but May following that first year of wrestling, I actually, um, you know, found myself basically, living on the streets of Cannonsburg. I was, you know, I was uh, pretty uh, street savvy, uh, meaning, you know, I would stay over Jason Damai's house for three or four days. And then, and then so his parents wouldn't get suspicious. I'd go to another friend's house for maybe a weekend. And, you know, I stayed over Keelan's for like a week, Keelan O'Daniel, another one of our state champions. And uh, I remember staying with Chuck Murdy for me, you know, his family for about two months. Uh, and in between these spells, I would uh, actually, again, being street savvy, I would actually learn like the bread routes, believe it or not. Like, uh, you know, there were some restaurants in town and they would get their bread dropped off before light. And I would learn the bread routes and I would never take all their bread, but I would maybe take a couple pieces of bread and things to, to eat, um, you know, things like that, you know, basically, you know, kind of just making my way. And, um, and eventually a family kind of discovered that this was happening. They were called uh, the Molinar family. And uh, they had uh, two sons that had wrestled, uh, wrestled Sean Molinar, graduated in 1990, and another um, son uh, who would have been about a year older than me, his name was Kenny Molinar, and he had died in a car accident in our town, which would have been his sophomore year of, of high school. Wow. And so now in retrospect, when I look back, it was not only uh, healing for me that they took me in, it was also, I think, healing for them in some ways. And, and this was a wrestling family. They, they met me through wrestling. He had come. Uh, the Dam Eyes had told them about me. Again, you know, I mentioned that name a lot. They were very uh, instrumental in my early career. And not just in wrestling, but um, just in general in life. And, um, and so uh, they had mentioned to the Molinars about me. And I remember uh, Herb Molinar, the father, had come to the Plum Junior High tournament and um, watched me wrestle. And, uh, and I remember I was actually so nervous because I had his son's name written on the inside of my shoe. I had Kenny, you know, kind of all of our guys, because he was only, like yeah. I said, like a couple years older than us. And I remember I was so scared because I didn't even really know Kenny and I didn't know them all in ours. But it was like kind of like, you know, we had this wrestler, you know, a year and a half older than us who passed away in a car accident. So it affected our community greatly. And, and I took that, you know, uh, very seriously. And so I, they introduced me to him. And I remember I was trying to hide the shoot, not because, you know, just because I, I felt like, oh, no, you know, like, I hope he doesn't take this wrong way. And uh, so eventually afterwards, uh, I ended up living with them for 11 months. And um, so that's often, you know, when people start talking about the beginning of my wrestling and my and my dedication to it yep. um it starts with this because i really felt like it saved my life 
I, I really do. I, I felt like it got me off the streets. It gave me um, a legal place, a legal way to get out my aggression, you know, sort of in those days. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I really, looking back on it, you know, at that time when you're 14 and a half, you know, you're not thinking all these types of things, but that's really no what was 14 happening. and a half year old should have to worry about that. You know what I mean? No, sure. no 14 year and a half year old should have to worry about going through bread routes and to talk about your story that way. That's probably a story that I probably will never come across. Uh, it's very rare to have something like that. And, you know, talking about a family bringing you in. Um, and that's the brotherhood that, that we talk about in wrestling, you know, I have many, many kids that I have in, in the West Allegheny program and the Gladiator program that I literally look like they're little, you know, they're like my little brothers to me. And, you know, if something happened, I would take them in, in a second. Um, but that's that's our sport for sure, sure. you know. Um, so moving past that and, you know, you're essentially you're homeless and you find, uh, you know, home with, uh, say the name again for me. The I'm Molinar sorry. family. Okay. The Molinar family. You find a home with the Molinar family. Um, moving into high school. Yep. We had talked off air that your, your high school teams were very successful. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, talk to me about how much fun that ride was to just be a oh. part of just such – dominating teams oh at that time uh, my wrestling team was my family it was everything to me um you know it's actually i'm starting to well up a little bit because uh i mean these guys not only did they save my life they were my family uh they because the kids my content my teammates they knew what i was going through and um you know they were very close with me very understanding uh they're and they're such good friends to me still to this day but uh you know we're talking marky angle five-time Fargo national champion, okay? Yeah. Uh, four-time Whippeal champ. I mean, injuries, he broke his ankle in the sophomore quarterfinals. You know, obviously couldn't finish that tournament, which we presume he would have won. Junior year, he wins Whippeal. The next day is working out with Teague Moore and Chucky Murdy, blows out his knee, so doesn't get to wrestle in the state tournament in his 11th grade year. 12th grade, finally, I was his, his dad specifically made me his partner all year long you know, to keep it a little safe. And, um, yeah. you know, he goes to state tournament and, uh, you know, wins the OW, just crush it, you know, Chuck Murray. So we had four state champions, uh, Mark yeah. Angle, Brad Mockler, Keelan O'Daniel, and Bruce Cridge, who was, you know, I would say was probably my best friend through the high school years who passed away recently, as you guys know, uh, probably know. Um, you know, this is the team I joined. Um, and they were phenomenal. We traveled the country, literally, and I loved it. You know, we, you know, I would stay with them. We would go to Easton and wrestle Easton, Nazareth, Northampton. We would go up to uh, Cuyahoga Falls and wrestle Walsh Jesuit. Walsh Jesuit would come wrestle us. You know, of course, back then, Power um, Mannheim was a big tournament. It was like the Powerade of the day, even though Powerade right. still existed. Right. Mannheim for us was the big tournament back then in the middle for Christmas time. And uh, the Whippeal Championships, the team won the state championship. Um, during our high school years. I mean, these were great, great days that really cemented um, my love and appreciation of what can be done when a unit gets together, sticks together like a family and moves in one direction. We were a very disciplined team, a very hardworking team. You know, we had Coach Macedas as our coach. Well, this is kind of a funny thing. So when we when I enter high school, we have Coach Newman as our coach, Coach Jim Newman. Okay. Uh, sophomore year, he has to resign for some personal reasons. So our ju- my junior year, 1994, we have Ozzy Gavazzi, who is our interim coach. Uh, and then my senior year, we had Tim. Can, I, can so, I cut you off? Is he related to Nick Gavazzi in any way? Do no, you know that? Uh, so Nick uh, Gavazzi 
okay. is it's slightly different, even though the spelling is exactly the same. Because as soon as I started seeing Nick and his older brother, Casey, yeah. Yeah. coming up through the youth ranks, I would see them at like the Charleroi tournament where they were yep. from or the Bentworth tournament. I immediately went up to their dad, uh, Bob, and I said, hey, are you related to my old coach, Ozzy Gabazzi? He said, no, we're the Gavazis. I've heard of him, and I don't think it's any relation okay. that we know of. And so actually that kind of – because much like Nathan, your brother – uh, Malachi ended up wrestling Nick all the time. Right. I mean, yeah. Area yeah. finals yep. almost year after year. It was so we became very, very close with him. As a matter of fact, um, Malachi Troy Letters was the coach at Clarion at that time, and Malachi, through being friends with Nick, that was where he kind of wanted to go. Um, right. Kind of guided him. Thought UPJ was a better fit at the time for him. But uh, he almost uh, did that just because of Nick and his relationship. But yep. um, yeah, so Ozzy's not related to Nick. Okay. Uh, yeah, may his memory be eternal. And uh, Bob and Casey and the Gavazzi. So, Amen. but that's Amen. a good question. And it's first thing I thought when I saw the name in the bracket when they, these kids were seven, eight years old. Yeah. So anyhow, and then but what I was getting at was uh, our senior year when we had Tim Macedas, who was extreme disciplinarian. We practiced three to six every day. Wow. three to six wow. and then would lift afterwards i mean it was brutal what we would do i mean I, i've never even done that as a coach but when i look back and i'm like wow we were it was nuts like that team was pretty brutal team so, so did you do three to six every day from sophomore through your junior year no that was our or senior, senior year, year when Macedas was the okay. coach so you know, senior um, year took over yeah, Gavazzi, uh, now I'm saying Gavazzi, uh, Coach Gavazzi, Ozzy Gavazzi, he was more traditional, three to five, you know. Okay. Um, yeah. He was kind of laid back. And same with uh, Coach Newman, even though Newman was very um, aggressive in uh, motivating us, uh, Coach Newman was an extreme motivator. Yeah. But one thing I want to point out while we're on this subject is, you know, you have this team, uh, you know, we were ranked in the nation every year. We you know, won states in 1992. We won the Whipple twice. And yet we had three coaches in four years. You know, that's a very rare thing. That is Because, crazy. you know, one thing I've learned as a coach is consistency is one of the keys. And so for that team to go through all that turmoil of those times and all those changes um, shows, you know, um, how talented that team really was, you know, to go through these coaching changes year after year. Cause you know, you're a new coach. You got to get your program in place. You got to get to know the people. It takes time. You know, it, it took me six, seven years when I first started coaching to establish my original, you know, program. And so these are new coaches every year and we're just like kind of rolling with it, you know? And like I pointed out with some of the details, it was extremely different methods of coaching. Yep. You had Newman, yeah. a super aggressive, dis, you know, I'm going to motivate you beyond anything you can imagine. For example, in 10th grade, I'd lost to a uh, senior uh, eliminations. We were headed out to the Pat Riley duels to wrestle uh, Easton, Northampton. And that's like we did every year. We'd go out there, stay with the Easton families. It was a lot of fun. These are some of the best memories of my entire life. I could tell stories just about those trips for this whole podcast. Of course, we won't do that. But um, so I'll never forget this. I lose to this senior who eventually uh, becomes the section champ that year, which was a tough section with McGuffey and Trinity back and Waynesburg back in those days. Our section, to get out of the section, pretty much meant you were in the running for a Whitfield title in our section back in those days. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyhow, so I lose this elimination. We go up to Easton, okay? Um, you know, the senior wrestles the first couple matches. I think he tried to roll through against uh, Travis Dodo of uh, Nazareth the match before, and he got caught and pinned, right? And so uh, I'm kind of there, and Coach comes – this is the Easton match now, the last match of the day. And uh, Coach 
you know, and says, Hey, go warm up just in case. I'm like, okay. You know, so I start kind of moving around, not thinking in any way, shape or form, I'm going to wrestle in this duel, you know? And, uh, literally the, the, as the match before me is ending, which was Mark Angle, so it's going to be quick work, right? He, he says, you know, Brian, come here. And he takes me back in this, you know, this little stairwell. I'm like, hey, what's going on, coach? He said, uh, he literally at that instant grabs me by the front of my warm up, jacks me up on the brick wall and was like, I'm putting you in. I'm betting a house on you in this next match and you will better not disappoint me. And I'll never forget. I was so scared to disappoint him. I went out and I beat this kid named Todd Beamer, eight to four, who was a senior who had uh, placed at States before he had uh, took third at uh, Mannheim just a few <laughs> weeks before this, you know what I mean? year because he was a, you know he was a very elderly gentleman had coached his whole entire life you know had like 30 years of coaching in at that time so he was the safe bet to kind of right the ship because Newman's departure wasn't only for personal reasons there was a lot of controversy surrounding it so parents administrators so it got very controversial so they picked the safest bet to say hey you know let's calm this storm but but he was quiet he didn't teach on there a quick story about him is um, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette came into our uh, practice one day and uh, all of a sudden, you know, he started showing a move, which none of us had ever seen him actually show a move before. And uh, he picks Keelan O'Daniel, who's eventually going to be a state champ that year, was already a two-time runner-up, right? And uh, he says, Keelan, come here, you know, I'm going to show a move on you. And Keelan's like, okay. And so he just starts showing a simple stand-up in front of uh, the newspaper reporters. And uh, as he's doing it, you know, he's like saying these things. He starts like saying, Keelan, like, let me do this. Let me do it. So as Keelan's, uh, you know, letting him do the, the stand-ups, he's whispering, Keelan's whispering in coaches here, like, Kavazi, Kavazi. So he starts messing with him, right? And uh, <laughs> this is the first time and the only time in my entire life that I heard him get loud. He turned around and said, Catrabone, because that's who had beat him in the state finals in two years, right in front of the newspaper people. It was hilarious. Oh, my God. Uh, and then fast forward to our senior year, you know, now uh, – the parents and school boards like you know we need someone that's got a little bit of an iron fist this team's talented but we need some discipline and hence uh coach tim macetas who you know is the macetas name is famous in wrestling right and uh, he yep. came and uh, you know so uh you know and these were the, the good times you know great times yeah yeah no doubt <laughs> All right, so uh, interesting story about uh, some of the contrast in the coaches that we had through my high school years was, uh, you know, and probably a good story for you is my sophomore year, you know, I, I lose to a senior um, who eventually wins sections that year. And like I had mentioned to you before that, um, you know, to win sections back then with McGuffey, Waynesburg, Trinity, Cannon Mac, it was, uh, you know, you were probably had a good chance to uh, go to States basically if you got out of right. the section. And so I'd lose at a senior and we go out to the uh, Easton, Pat Riley, duels stay with the Easton family families and we wrestle uh Northampton Nazareth and Easton right and um so the senior of course uh started the first match against Northampton and I, I forget his result there and the second match I know I remember he was wrestling Travis Dodo and I think he tried a Granby and Travis had a spiral half on and catches him and pins him right so going to our final match of the night uh you know we're going to face
premier match. It's at Easton's gym. This is kind of everyone's, you know, there's excited. Here's Cannon Mac. Here's Easton. And uh, Coach Jim Newman, who was our coach that year, my sophomore year, so this is 1993, he says, yeah, Brian, warm up just in case, you know. And I'm like, oh, okay. Never thinking, in a, you know, that I was going to actually wrestle in the duel. And, um, you know, and literally, and Mark Angle is the weight be before me. So, you know, he's out there. Uh, I think he was wrestling maybe Brian Snyder, as a, who was a freshman or sophomore that year. And I think he's either majoring him or teching him, you know, and um, a monster. Yeah. Just absolutely one of the best ever. Yeah. And um, so anyhow, so that's going quick and I'm kind of warming up half-heartedly. Yeah. I'm moving around. And then right before, um, you know, we would send out at night, that was at 119. Um, he, you know, he says, Brian, come here. Coach Newman says, Brian, come here. And we go back in this little stairwell. And I remember there was some bricks there. And I'm like, hey, what's up, coach? And literally, without saying anything, he grabs me by my warm-up, jacks me up against a brick wall. And he was and uh, he's staring at my face. He said, I'm sending you out here in this match. I'm betting the house on you. You better not let me down. You better not disappoint me. And I'll never forget. I don't even think I said anything. I was just so scared. I was like, oh, man, I'm not going to disappoint him. And he, he sends me out there. I, like, literally come out, and they're, like, waiting. So I have to, like, rip off my warm-up, run on the mat, and I'm so, like, wow, I, I can't let him down. And I go out there, and I beat this guy, Todd Beamer, you know, who had just placed third at Mannheim a, a couple weeks before, had placed at States before. Um, yep. And I go out and beat him eight to four. Based on that, you know, that inspiration, you know. Um, yeah. So, you know. It was just uh, to show some of the contrasting styles of the yeah, coaches. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we talk about you're going through your high school career. You have three different coaches in four years. Um, and we talked earlier about you kind of being homeless at 14. Those guys on your team literally were your family. They, they, they legit just lifted you and brought you in as brothers. Um, and that's the – I can't think of another sport that would do something like that. They take you in and, and they're family to you. You know, I still talk to all the guys that I went to high school with and uh, you know, it's, it's very, very cool. Um, just how our, our sport works for sure. So getting past high school, um, ultimately we know that, that you go on, like I said, at the top, you go on to be, uh, you know, a coach, a junior high coach for 20 years. But in between there, you had kind of a little bit of a different uh, uh, transition, so to speak, to get to the junior high coach. Hmm. Walk me through your three years as an assistant coach uh, for varsity. And uh, you told me a story uh, when you were uh, – after you graduated. Walk me through that story that we talked about off air, which was very, very cool, and how you ultimately became the junior high coach. And then, uh, yeah, just talk me up, chat me up on that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, graduate high school, um, you know, had dreams to wrestle in college because now, like you had just mentioned, uh, my, you know, it's over. Like, you know, the family that I belong to is heading off to different directions, all these different colleges, you know, they had their scholarships to. And so uh, a few of them had gone up to Edinburgh, a couple of my teammates. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to go join you, including Bruce Cridge, you know, who was one of my best friends. And um so I want to go up to Edinburgh University. I'm going to try to walk on to the wrestling team. No real, you know, personal accolades, but, you know, a tough guy. And I figured I'd go there, practice, be a good partner. And I went up and um, while I'm in school, um, you know, I, I get identity thefted, right? And, and while I'm in school, you know, I'm majoring in philosophy and minoring in English lit with a, a long-term goal of becoming a, a high school teacher and eventually college professor uh, because I, 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 had, I had always had this calling 
um, to teach, you know, and, and maybe that's what you're recognizing on the Instagram. You know, I kind of have a natural gift to gab and have a Amen. lot of experience, you know, a lot of personal experience. And so, you know, so that was my plan. That was my goal. I said, I'm going to become a teacher. And really it was to help kids, you know, um, I figured if I could teach kids and be in that environment teaching kids, then I could have a little bit of input in their lives. And maybe I could help people avoid some of the pitfalls and reach out to people. And while I'm in college, um, I get identity thefted. And, um, you know, and, and I'll share with you, I don't share this, but I feel like this might be important. Because when I listen to uh, Coach Waters, um, interview, I learned a lot about his personal relationship with his father. And uh, I, it literally brought me to tears. And, and affected me in, in such a, um, a, 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 a inspirational way, uh, seeing what he had overcome to become who he is. So I will share this with you. This is like a first time uh, thing here. In the, for the exclusive, world. I love it. That's what this I'm is here the exclusive for. Exclusive for the wrestling world. Uh, so it was actually my biological father who had identity thefted me. You know, wow. and at this point, I had not seen him from uh, age five left in the middle of the night. So I'd never seen him since I was five years old. He comes back into my life uh, around 19. Of course, I'm super excited. I'm like, wow, you know, this is my real dad. And like, even how you see me moving my hands and stuff, 15 years, I didn't know him. And when we met, we were like the same people. Um, our hand motions, the way we talk, it, it blew me away. I was like, wow, how much, and it taught me how much genetics play a role, not just in like our physical being, but like, kind of who we are, you know? Yeah. And, um, but he, it turns out he, you know, there was a reason why my mom left him in the middle of the night and, uh, he, he turned out to be not the greatest guy and, and he's passed on since, and, you know, may his memory be eternal too. And I have, you know, no hard feelings, but, uh, so he identity thefts me. Right. And I'm up at Edinburgh trying to walk on the wrestling team. I also, at this time already have Malachi, you know, I have my son's born. So he's under one years old. I'm trying to walk on his college. I'm doing roofs on the weekends to pay for my own college. You know, I'm, I'm signing this check in every month. Like I even mentioned before, right. you know, I, I can remember glad to write that check myself yeah. every month. And um, so I had to make a, a tough decision. You know, I had to say, you know, what am I going to do? And um, so I, I chose to uh, take care of my son and go back uh, because I knew, you know, I'm up here trying to walk on the wrestling team. I have this young son, you know, I'm signing my own checks to go to college. And now I'm, I'm minus at this point, I was minus $76,000. Oh my God. Um, total like not like he ran up debt yeah he, right. he drained my he drained my bank account i think which at that time had about twenty four thousand dollars in it drained that and then ran up seventy six thousand dollars in debt in my name oh my and god that, that took probably the next 15 years to clear up in my life but anyhow so i'm facing this challenge and i say to myself i say you know okay you know this is a sign to give up my own dreams and aspirations like i gotta go back and take care of this child you know i gotta straighten out this mess and that's what i do you know so i come back to cannonsburg and uh, immediately go to work, join the Carpenters Union, and I immediately started coaching, okay? Right. So my, my old junior high coach, uh, Mr. Ken Smith, is now the high school coach because um, then we joined the Carpenters Union, and uh, like I said, I wanted to be a teacher and professor, so I was like, you know what, um, coaching – to me at that moment seemed like the next best thing. I'd loved wrestling. It's kind of why I followed my friends to Edinburgh. So I wanted to keep, I didn't want it to end. You know, a lot yeah. of my friends at the end of high school, it was like the ones who had wrestled since they were four and five, they were kind of like burned out and like, Oh, I can't stand this. I remember a couple of times, you know, being at matches in high school and my, my close friends, you know, how it goes with wrestlers. Like, Oh, you know, like I'm tired of this. I'm sick of losing, you know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I'm like, 
you know, my dad's making me, I would hear like my dad's making me do this. And I'm thinking to myself like, man, like no one's making me do this. I love this. You know, I love right. you guys. But, but anyhow, so at this point, um, you know, I was like, so coaching to me seemed like, wow, this, this is a good opportunity. It allows me to continue to uh, be involved with wrestling. Kind of puts and, the best of both worlds together for you. Exactly. And I get to teach, right. And, and, and be an influence on, on the younger generations, which was, I felt like a calling, even as a teenager being street savvy, like I mentioned, all these other kids uh, that were taking me in, even though they had the, the, you know, more together homes, I was kind of like the more world, you know, worldly street savvy, kind of more mature because I had to survive, you know, like you mentioned how many 14 year olds are learning the bread man's route just to yeah. get a few pieces of bread. Like my 14 year old friends weren't doing those types. Yeah. Of things. No so, chance. <laughs> so anyhow, um, Kenny Smith, Mr. Smith is a high school coach at this time. And I, and this is uh, 1997 at this point. Um, and I said, you know, I called him up. I said, coach, you know, would you take me on as a, uh, a volunteer assistant? And he was like, of course this year, you know, that 1997, you know, I'm basically a workout partner. Um, you know, just a young thing. And, and this was, you know, like we had talked previous, one of the challenges of being a young coach. Uh, so at this time I'm 21, um, I'm coaching. Some kids are 18 years old. Right. So the challenge of being a young coach is a lot of them, because some of them were coming into high school when I was leaving. So right. they looked at me a lot of them up here. It was very hard to separate uh, being a mentor and an adult to these guys who just a couple years before I was their peer, you know? And uh, so I would, if this is probably important for young coaches out there. Uh, when you're a young coach, make sure you have a clear, distinct line. You know, you can always be their friend later, you know, have that clear cut disciplinary line. Like, you know, this is, I'm your mentor. I'm your coach. I'm an adult. You know, um, there's a clear line there, you know, and then later you can always pat them on the back and say, you know, be friendly with them. You know, right, um, right. I think that's an important thing for young coaches, you know, now that I've been through it, it's like early in your career. So uh, I also mentioned I was in the carpenters union at this time. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as I started to work up the ranks in the carpenters union, I started getting sent, you know, with these companies to, to further and further jobs. So the next year in 98, I actually didn't coach because I was thought, you know, I was trying to raise a, a young family, you know, my son, who you know, very well. Um, and then I decided, I said, you know, there was something missing from my life that next year, you know, this is 1998. I'm like, something's missing. And I realized it was my dream to, to teach kids and wrestling so I was like you know I went back to coaching 1999 this year I'm a hired assistant I'm still in the carpenters union and they I remember I'll never forget it was the end of December and they wanted to send me to Tampa Bay my company that I was working for at the time was doing these airport projects and we had done the Pittsburgh airport putting in reinforced windows and doors they wanted to send me to Tampa and I'll never forget I had to make this decision I was like you know am I gonna stay with the union or am I gonna coach and uh, I literally left the union and started my own company, a roofing company, and uh, kept coaching. And now, as you know, I've never, uh, never it's, looked it's back. Never, never looked back. I love and it. Uh, so that was my second uh, year of coaching. And then 2000 is my final year of, uh, of being an assistant at the high school. So what kind of motivated my addition down to the junior high was this. In 1999, like I mentioned to you, so 95, I graduate. We probably started that season with about 46, 47 wrestlers on our roster at Cannon McMillan. Probably finished with around 32. We won the Whippeal. Uh, I believe we took second or third at state. Back then, there wasn't a duels. It was just the individual right. point system. Um, and so 
32 kids on the final roster. 1999, when I'm coaching with uh, Kenny Smith, I think we had 16 kids on the roster that year and finished with 14. And back then, they only had 13 weight classes. Wow. So I remember I was like, really, um, this affected me. I said, you know, what is going on here? I said, how could we have went from 30-some we were like, literally our program was cut in half in a matter of five short years. And I was like, something is going on here. And so when I started looking at it, um, from 1972 till the nineties, we had one youth coach, uh, named Frank Snedeker and he's in the hall of fame, a youth coach. Find me how many, uh, youth coaches actually made it to the Pennsylvania wrestling hall of fame. I don't think there's too many. There's probably many at all. But if you look up Frank Snedeker, he's in there for that. But it's the only thing he ever did. He had no personal career, no, nothing beyond youth, not even junior high. We're talking youth. Um, and then you had Mr. Smith, who was a coach for probably 15, 20 years at junior high at that point. And then, like we said, we had them turbulent high school years. But I felt like it, it kind of indicated to me that that was the more important for the program, the mm-hmm. the ninth grade and under eighth grade and under and so by the year 2001 i had decided like that i had to that that i would better serve our program which i was extremely dedicated to in the uh, junior high level and that's how i made my move to one thing i'll add here since we had talked about getting off the streets as a 14 year old um early in my coaching career so this is probably about the year 2000 uh, and like i said i'm like 21 22 years old at this time so my friends are coming back and stuff. And I remember it might have been, uh, you know, sometime around Christmas break and I had some uh, friends home and they wanted to go downtown to the city and everything. And I'll never forget, we, we go to some of these places that are down in strips, some of these clubs and stuff. And we're of age. And, you know, it's what, you know, people tend to do at that age. And I'll never forget, I saw some of the things going on in these clubs, you know, some of the activities. Um, and I'll never forget, I, I, I became fearful. And, and the fear was this. I was like, wow, like, I don't want to get caught up in this stuff because, you know, I'm, I'm over here trying to mentor kids and ha- help them avoid some of these things. And yet here I am in the midst of it. I was like, I can't risk what I treasure for this. And I literally steered clear of that life. So I always tell my closest friends that uh, wrestling saved me twice, you know, once as a 14 year old <laughs> and once as a 22 year old, you know, cause it got me off the streets twice, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so in 2001 was the first year to junior high. And that's kind of the journey from high school to my first year. Awesome, man. And, and you know what? What's so crazy is you're kind of like no other story I've heard before. Um, you know, you started in eighth grade. You you jump onto this team that is all world, you know, top in the state, you know, top five in the nation. And they bring you in as, as kind of like a brother. Um you know, and you started in eighth grade, you went right into high school, you've only been with those guys for four or five years, they really took you in as one of their own. So, you know, you get into the junior high program. And obviously, like I've said a couple times, you've been there for 20 years. Talk to me about those first couple years, um, and kind of setting your standard. um, Because I, I talk about a lot about on these podcasts. And I think that it's a problem now, maybe more so than ever. And, and it's tough for me to talk about it because, you know, you have, uh, you know, uh, sons that wrestled. Um, talk about the parent slash coaching aspect uh, of, of the sport, because I look at it that a lot of times anymore, the parents are very, very tough on their kids and they kind of, it, it almost ruins it for them. 
And, uh, you know, I made a promise to my wife that I was going to kind of take a step back. I wasn't going to coach my son, even though, you know, I've had coaching experience. Um, talk to me a little bit about that and talk to me also about kind of, you know, you've been there for 20 years. So you've seen so many kids and so many parents come in and out of your program and through your midst. Talk about that situation for me. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the father coach, you know, meaning when the, the, the coach is the father uh, of their own, you know, uh, they're coaching yes. their own sons. So this is my advice. Um, and, and you'll be wise if you do exactly as you said, and leave that up to the waters and stuff, you know, exactly. capable hands and all their and, kids. And, yeah. And you go coach their kids and they'll coach your kids and it'll be better. Right. Uh, but I will you know, a son and a father, if you take away the coaching, there's already a level of expectation of each. And the kid is already putting pressure on themselves to impress his father, to not disappoint his father, to not let his father down. And that's already there. And so now when a father has some wrestling experience, maybe some coaching experience, or even in the worst cases, the ones, this is a famous one, uh, like you had mentioned, I've been doing this a long time. So there's always this famous situation. It's occurred many a times in my career where I meet a kid at six, seven, eight years old. Uh, the dad comes up to me, Hey, you know, can you help us out? I've never wrestled. I don't know anything about this. My kid wants to wrestle, you know, five, six years later, this kid's placing at States, you know, ends up being a really talented wrestler. Now all of a sudden those same dads are turning into experts. You know what I right. mean? They're yeah, out, absolutely. I, I see, I see them out there telling people like, about wrestling, not, not yeah. even like saying, Hey, take them here, take them there. They're like telling them how to handle, like handle their careers. Like, and they've never laced up the boots in their life. Right. Yeah. Same yeah. person six years ago was like thanking me because they never knew anything about the sport. So that's, you know, that's a you know, scenario. You're oh yeah. Into. Yeah. But as far as the father coaching, you know, all that expectation and pressure is already on the child. And so when you add the coaching on top of it and you're trying, you know, even if, um, you know, uh, if I coach your son and I say, Hey, do it this way, do it that way. The kid's like so happy. Like the coach is paying attention to him. He'll run through a brick wall for you. But when a dad says it, it's like, dad's supposed to be saying this, uh, you know, it's like, it creates a different aspect. So if a yep. dad is going to choose to coach, uh, he's got to, again, it's kind of like that young coach, you know, clear line of, you know, I'm your mentor, your coach, not your peer. Yep. Uh, when you're, when you're the father and the coach, you know, when you're coaching, you got to be just a coach, you yeah. know, and when you're fathering, you got to be just a father. You got to have a clear line for yourself. And I advise that. Yeah. It's easier. And, and, you know, it, it, I just had uh, Ron Tarquinio on and uh, he just, I released his first episode this week and um, you know, he talked a lot about that with his dad. His dad really didn't know anything about the sport. His dad was a football player, but his dad, knew how to motivate his son and knew how to help his son without necessarily being a coach, um, you know, with the push-ups and sit-ups and and stuff of that nature. So to me, you know, and we're talking about, you know, you're talking junior high kids that you're mainly coaching and these are young impressionable kids that don't know who they are yet in life and don't know who they are as as people. Um, You know, it's very tough to kind of, they they can kind of make their minds up quickly and that's it, you know? So I I really, I really uh, think that that's super important for our sport to kind of touch on. So, you know, and getting past that Mm -hmm. as a coach and not even just, you know, you, you coach your sons or whatever as a coach with other parents, how do you deal with parents on a year in and year out basis? 
what's kind of a tip for another youth coach that may be listening to this or a junior high coach that may be listening to this, whether yeah. it's uh, you got to call the kid, the, the parents, cause I'm sure you've done it. You got to call the parents because they, they've, they're failing a class or, or they're, um, you know, you know, slacking off in school and getting in trouble, whatever the case may be, put some insight in for me on, on kind of how you do things. Uh, so yeah, definitely. Uh, one thing I will mention since we're on this subject is this, uh, I learned something, uh, uh, a very important lesson from a coach we had for 13 years at Canamac, who's quite famous in Whitfield, Chris Mary, right. Yep. Um, you know, uh, probably one of the greatest coaches we've ever had at Canna McMillan. And, uh, so, and he had a lot of experience in the sport. I mean, he was wrestling before I was born. And so I learned so much, uh, from him as a coach. And this is what, and he was our high school coach for 13 years during yep. my junior high career. And I learned this lesson and I think this will help a lot of coaches um, he would go into the parent meeting previous to the season and he would walk into this parent meeting and he would just do something short and then he would turn it over to uh, his the, the, the assistant to do the rest and the only thing he would uh, say at that initial meeting was this he'd say listen he said I'm the head coach and you're the parent he said I'm never going to tell you how to parent your children but I would expect the same respect and reciprocity to, to not tell me how to coach, you know? So he, again, that clear line, you know, it's yeah. like, and, and that impressed me when I, and now you're talking, this is now nine, 10 years. I'm skipping ahead a little bit when I learned that lesson, but yeah. you know, if other coaches can learn that earlier, I think it'll help when we're yes. getting into the subject of dealing with parents. So there has to be that clear line. Look, I'm the, I'm you're, you're trusting me to coach your child. So please continue to trust me. I'm trusting that you're parenting your child and I'm not going to tell you how to parent. Don't tell me how to coach. So I think, it's good. Um, but in just, you know, the, you know, it's in my early coaching days, it was, uh, you know, uh, phone call chains, you know, uh, we used to have the heart landlines and literally okay. you, you would have a list and the person would call the next person to call the next person. And that's, it was a phone chain and that's how right. you spread information. Then you get into smartphones or I mean, emails and stuff, laptops. And now email blocks made communication a lot easier because I could send the message at once. And of course now we have social media, text blocks, you know, every, every means. Yeah, yep, yep. But when it comes to dealing with the uh, tougher issues, maybe the kids struggling in school, maybe I'm seeing emotional uh, situation. It might even be coming from the home, you know, so it's a delicate, delicate, delicate yep, situation. Yep. And so I think this is where my life's experiences uh, may come into play a lot because I've always been one, one of my techniques of survival when I was uh, younger, kind of being street savvy was I would always uh, step into a situation and observe very intently what's going on to um, kind of take in uh, the culture of the environment I was in. Once I thought I'd established a culture, I would just kind of mirror it. You know, I would bridge the gap by mirroring, and I still continue that technique to the day because I, I travel all around the world on pilgrimages. So I've been in some, you know, third world places in this world. And I still use that same technique very effectively. Instead of going in and stating like, I'm here and, you know, this is me. I kind of, you know, um, low profile, uh, you know, kind of just mix in, see what's going on first and then, you know, mirror that. And it seems once you bridge the gap. So with a parent, the way I would use this technique for a parent uh, that I have to tough, you know, talk about a tough subject with, you know, I want to see kind of bridge the gap. I'm not going to, hit them with the hard line first. I'm going to call, I'm going to make sure that we're connecting first and then I'm going to ease them into the difficult challenge so that we're in a calm, you know, um, cause, cause there are tough situations. 
Um, you know, I, I've had bullies that were talented wrestlers in the room. You know, maybe the best kid, you know, sometimes tends, you know, there might be a tendency, especially if they're bigger kids, to kind of bully the other kids around. And that could be disastrous to not only the team, but to that individual's long term. So, you know, there's some hard discipline times. And I've had parents in reaction to some, you know, cause I, I'm a pretty, um, you know, much like I'm talking about these clear lines. So that might be a theme that I'm getting on here is these clear yeah. lines. Yeah. Um, this is another thing I learned and I'll finish this thought on dealing with parents, but something else I learned, uh, kind of going along with that friend, um, coach aspect is I remember. So now, you know, I'll tell a quick story about this. So 2001, I'm coaching, like I said, our numbers were disastrous. Um, you know, I think uh, I go down to junior high in 2001. We maybe had 20 kids on the roster total with, yeah. uh, I think, 17 weights that year. Okay. And I knew that I had to do something, right? Um, three or four years later, I get of nine talented wrestlers from our youth program okay and i remember i was so happy that i got this great class of wrestlers coming in and basically doubled the size of my team in one season that i made a huge mistake i was like friendly with them like day one i was like oh this is so exciting we're gonna do this we're gonna do that there was i, I didn't focus on setting the, the the rules the discipline rules on day one and that team all the way until they graduate even to this day as adults they treat me like them high school kids did a few years ago. Hey, coach, you know, like just patting me on the back. Like he's our buddy. This was even happening in junior high that year because I had not set this clear boundary. So what I learned, cause that team I, I felt didn't reach its potential. And I felt like it was partly my fault because I didn't instill discipline in on day one. And so what I learned from that year was day one, kind of be a hard ass, you know, like, right. And, yeah. and nowadays, if you talk to my students, they're like, I'm like, they're like, do not get him mad. You know, like, will set us straight immediately. Right. If we go over that line, like here's, and they'll tell the, like my eighth graders will tell my seventh graders, like, Hey, we don't fool around. Like when coach Slack says we do this, we do this. Cause they know like the results right. will be instantaneous. And uh, cause again, you know, later in the year, if they've done, they've worked hard for me, they've gotten the good grades. You know, I, I, I take great pride in high honor roll wrestlers, um, you know, in my school district. And I know I'm kind of going all over the place here. But okay. keep it, yeah. So uh, in my school district and probably most of them, uh, 2.0 is uh, the minimal grade point average to be able to, compete, you know, to be on yeah. extracurricular activity. Well, my administration knows that to be a starter on my team, you have to carry a 3-0. If you do not have a 3-0, even if you win that spot, you don't even get to eliminate because I expect it, you know, if you're the type of wrestler who wants to start on a Cannon McMillan team and you're thinking, you're, you know, these kids in junior high, their parents are talking scholarships and all these types of things. Some, but if you can't get a 3-0, then it's all for naught. So in my yeah. school district, and this is a paper that I have the parents and kids sign off on every year that, hey, the school's expectations are this, 2.0, and that's fine to be on our roster, but if you wanna start, it's gonna be a 3.0. Because if you can put the effort to start on my team, you know, to beat out all these other talented wrestlers, then you can put the effort to be at least a 3.0. That's my rock bottom. And of course, this leads back to your question, because then, Okay, I got this 2.6 student who's a great wrestler. He should be the starter. And the parents say, hey, why is my kid not starting? And I have to say, hey, remember, look, let's go back to the paper. These are my guidelines. You know, we have a little bit more stringent rules. And it's proven, you know, we've put people in the Cornell, Stanford, North yeah. Carolina. Yeah. And that's the focus on academics. And I'll say, hey, if 
your kid's having trouble on his own maintaining this 3-0 and above, when he comes this, I'm going to sit down with him while my assistants are warming up the team, and I'm going to spend 35, 40 minutes going over whatever class he needs help in. And if I can't help him, then I'm going to get someone else on one of his peers, which I utilize a lot, and I'll say, hey, you know, Costa, you know, you got a 4.0 in math. You know, John, you over here is struggling in math. I need you to sit down with him and make sure he gets this because we need him. We need him to be on this team in high school. We need to help right. him. And that's kind of how I handle that. So, so okay. it's just kind of cutting you off because that's going to lead into my next point. Yep. Um, you know, we're talking about, and you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie coach Carter, it's a basketball movie, Samuel L. Jackson, but it's, it literally is very, very similar to what you talk about. Mm. Uh, you know, he talks about, uh, he, in the movie, and it's based on a true story, he sure. uh, locks the gym because they don't have a, I believe it's a 3.0 GPA as well, um, because he wants his kids to get into college because it was a bad uh, school district neighborhood, et cetera, et cetera. So, and that's really cool. And that's going to lead into my next point, because you're all about student first, then athlete, right? And, and uh a lot of times that gets misconstrued a lot, you know, even you look at the college, all these scandals that, you know, whatever it may be, the, 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 the football teams or the basketball teams are having people write papers for them and they're, you know, kind of just skeeting through college. Uh, but that doesn't build long-term success. Right. So you're one. And, you know, I talked to Justin a lot about you after we got off our, our interview with him a couple of weeks ago. Um, you want to make these kids young men. You want to make these kids uh, valued members of society, not only just to be good wrestlers when they get up to the high school and start on the high school team, because obviously Canon Max a premier program in the Whitfield and a premier program in, um, you know, PA, but you want these kids not only to be good wrestlers, but to good, be good people. So you touched on that a little bit with the, with the grades thing. Talk about another way you do it. That's, you know, obviously your accolades speak for themselves for wrestling. Talk about how you're ma making these kids into good people as they get into adult life and, and furthermore after that. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. This is at this point in my career, the most important thing to me. Um, so, you know, uh, we talked about this first three years as an assistant to high school, workout partner, drilling partner, uh, motivating the kids, you know, the head coach is handling all the responsibility. I move into the junior high, um, you know, I start establishing my coaching style and, and uh, you know, the, the system that I'm going to implement. Um, and at this point, as a, you know, now I'm in my mid twenties, you know, I'm, I'm saying to myself, okay, here's the team. I want them to be better by the end of this year than we are on day one, you know, day one to the last day, you know, when States rolls around, be so much better than they are today. That was like my goal. You know, it was like, this team's going to be better at the end of the year. You know, now I, I, I kind of go on with that mindset for maybe three, four years. And then uh, I start seeing kids like what's happening at the end of high school. Cause now kids I coach in seventh, eighth grade or seniors are graduating. So I said, ah, oh, you know, okay. I start correlating. Okay. You know, uh, I'm reaping what I sow, right? So I'm starting to correlate what I'm putting into them and I'm seeing how it's affecting them, not just at the end of the year, but now in the high school years. So I'm like, okay, I got to tweak this, tweak that, make sure I'm making grades a priority and stuff. Cause some of the kids, you know, 
you know, early in my career, I was just, you know, it was more about winning, you know, it wasn't right. about the student athlete. When I was a 22 year old coach, 23 year old coach, I wanted the team to win. I wanted to keep my job basically, you know? Right, right. And, uh, and so, um, you know, so I started looking, okay, I got to make sure I'm molding them for high school. Another few years goes by, I'm like seeing kids that I coached wrestle in college. And I'm like, wow, you know, like I got to do a better job of preparing them for college academics and uh, now you know you know being a longtime coach 20 plus years I have kids that I coach that are in their 30s at this point you know and so yep. now I, I started to really see the long long-term effects and I'd mentioned Bruce Cridge a few times uh, my great friend great wrestler state champion in Pennsylvania um, you know and he passed away at age uh, 42 you know his he went to Edinburgh he developed a wrestling injury, got to keep his scholarship, but never had to wrestle another day in his life. Uh, so he's at Edinburgh for four more years without competing. And he was a, we, we were in a band together in high school and stuff. So he's a real good looking guy, played the guitar. So when wrestling was taken away from him, he went to the next thing that he knew the most, which was like playing his music. And so that was putting him in clubs and stuff. And he developed a lifestyle that ended up catching up with him, you know, and passing away at 42 years old. And so these types of things really you know 40 years old actually and so these types of things really affected me and i said you know, who are my wrestlers going to be when wrestling is taken away and not only did i look at bruce's instance but you know like i mentioned we had uh four state champions in high school and at uh you know one point or another uh two of them were in rehab one was in prison and one died you know and wow. i was like wow so i realized that i could not you know, justify looking into a, a little eight-year-old's eyes anymore and say, wrestling is going to make you a better person. Because here I had these state and national level wrestlers who were struggling with life after wrestling. And so I really went back to my, you know, my office, at, you know, at this time, I'm, you know, I have my own home and everything uh, that I own. And so, and so I'm back in my office, literally in tears, like, questioning everything you know because i used to just say like wrestling will make you a better person wrestling will make you a better person and so i said you know i gotta really focus on the character development because when wrestling is taken away who are these people going to be because listen no sport is the totality of it. like i mentioned early in this uh, podcast you will hardly find i will venture you will not find a person who loves what wrestling has done for them and what wrestling has done for the community more than me and what wrestling has done for the world, in my opinion. Amen. But, um, you know, but yet it's not totally me. It's not everything about me, you know? And so when wrestling, I want my students to know that, Hey, when wrestling is removed, you have a, you know, let's use Jordan. Bur I use Jordan Burroughs in my, uh, with my students. I use Jordan Burroughs as an example, you know, greatest, probably the greatest wrestler we have right now, you know, with all these Olympic Top titles. Top five, probably all time in America, for sure. So, you know, and what is he, 30 years old, 29 years old? 31 and, or 32, yeah. He's, he, okay. Yeah. So maybe we get this next Olympics in with him. Yeah. He has children, his wife's pregnant. So God willing, if he lives to 80 years old, he's got 50, 60 more years to live after wrestling, right? I mean, yeah. he may coach or help or do these types of things, but he's going to a husband, a father, a person in the community. And so I developed this character development program, literally a 32 page outline in my office. I mean, and I'm one of them type of people when I get on a project, like I don't stop until it's done. Like, I mean, I spent probably 16, 17 straight hours just doing the outline, like without leaving my office and then have spent literally years since then, 
you know, fine tuning. And yeah. I have this, you know, and, uh, and so, you know, when we get into the character development, you know, how would I, so for example, you know, the wrestling with virtue program that I've started the last couple of years uh, kind of plays off of that whole outline because I was like character development. What do we, what would any person in this world want their children to have instilled with them? And I thought of the virtues, you know, hard work, humility, perseverance, consistency, love. And I narrowed it. I found this book that lists 208 virtues and uh, I narrowed it down to 82. And that's what I focused on in my character development because I realized that, hey, if I can inspire a young wrestler, a, a young student athlete, like you correctly pointed out, I always put the student first, you know, to, to live a virtuous life, then explain, and not only just expect it to happen, this is important. You can't, as coaches, we always say, oh, wrestling's gonna make you better if you just wrestle. And I'd already proven some examples that that's not necessarily true. I think it's very important for coaches and parents to verbalize that, to make that a priority. Say, look, you know, we're going to teach you hard work, humility, perseverance, consistency, love, you know, all these good things, consistency. And you're going to plug them into your academic career, number one, and be able to be successful with those virtues, those traits, those character. Um, and then when wrestling, when that's your academics, you plug those same things, hard work, humility, all those things I'm saying over and over again into your wrestling. It's going to help you become more successful. And guess what? When wrestling is removed, you take those same attributes and you plug them into your college, into becoming a husband, an employee, an employer, a person in the community, a father, a parent. You plug them same attributes. So what I've learned is that when I focus on the character development first, all my former dreams in my early 20s of wanting to win and all these things started to happen more consistently because I wasn't even focused on it. I was focusing on the attributes that would help them become successful, not just the aspects of being successful. Like, oh, we're going to do doubles till your knees fall off. You know, we're going to, you know, right. I mean, we're going to, we're going to bring in the best wrestlers in the world and you're going to compete and drill with them every day. And, you know, all those things that we know we do as wrestlers, you're going to lift, you're going to run, we're going to get up before school, we're going to work out and we're going to lift that, you know, all the things that we plug into our wrestling careers to become more successful. I said, you know what? I'm going to focus on these, these virtues and I'm going to plug it into them. And all of a sudden we start winning States. We start winning the Whippeal. We're in the Whippeal finals. I'm like, wow. I was like, you know, again, uh, you know, they fruits of your labor, so to speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, um, and that's kind of, you know, um, without going into too much detail, kind of where I go with my character development program. And, okay. um, you know, that's awesome. So, so we're talking about, you know, you're, you're going through kind of your junior high and how you, you, you build these kids and, you know, it's not a lot of people that, that when they, uh, in fact, I'll be honest with you. I think you're the only person I've ever met that takes junior high wrestling and says, this is what I love to do. I love this age group. And this is the age group that I want to coach. Mm -hmm. And this is where I want to be. Um, and I think, like I talked about earlier, you know, I coached a couple years uh, under uh, Troy Gump at West Allegheny. Oh, yeah. And, Good um, job, yeah. And uh, just the age group that, 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 you, that you're coaching, they're very impressionable. They're very naive. And uh, at the same time, they're very hard-headed. And they don't want to listen uh, to it. So just touching on how you kind of do everything – it's very, very cool. It's very inspiring. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to move kind of to my next question. 
you know, you talk about all these things that, that, that kind of have built you as the coach that you are today. Yes. You're 20 years into this now. <laughs> you're still doing it. Right. And you're still doing it at a high level, right? I mean, Cannon Max always consistently top Try. four in the way field, you know, <laughs> sure. in their top five in the state. You're still doing it at a high level. After 20 years, what still brings you to go back into the wrestling room every single day? Is it some of the things that we just talked about or is it new challenges? Like what, what um, keeps you motivated through all this? Yeah, it's a little bit of uh, everything you're mentioning. I, I certainly love the challenges and every uh, new group, every single season creates a new challenge. And, you know, in touching on that, I will say this, uh, another mistake I'm, I, I have seen coaches, uh, in my opinion, do is, um, you know, they, they have a set system. Like I'm talking about these outlines I'm developing, right, and these types of things. There has to be some flexibility, you know, because I think that, um, you know, if – so let's just say your whole team is a, a very strong team. Maybe they're, let's just say like a bunch of them are short and stocky and you know, kind of slower, bulky guys that are going to throw people, but you're focusing on fast techniques the whole time. Like that's your system. Like we're going to do low singles. We're going to outspeed everyone. And, and, and your unit doesn't fit your program. You know, I think coaches, so my point is this, like you, you so the challenge of is recognizing what you have, you know, what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are each year, because it's different every year as a group. And so what I do is I tell my students, I say, Hey, we're going to strengths in public, you know, but we're going to work on our weaknesses in private. And to be able to do that as the coach, I've got to be able to recognize what the strengths and weaknesses are. And if I'm, you know, let's just say if I'm forcing a, a, a square peg into a round hole, something yeah. that's not fitting my system, it's not going to be successful. So that's one of the challenges that I think coaches uh, should uh, take on uh, is recognizing the strengths and weaknesses of each season. You can't just expect it to roll over. It, it, it's, you've got to really recognize um, that. Now, as far as coaching the junior high all these years, um, cause I've certainly coached as we've already talked about a few times, um, all three levels, all three styles. And, you know, I'll say this, the elementary level. So you're talking, you know, in Mac, three, four years old, up to about 11, 12 years old. As soon as you can walk pretty much. Right. Oh yeah. I, I get calls <laughs> constantly, constantly. How young you take them? I said, well, how young's your kid? Three. I'm like, well, I was like, bring him in like for about 20 minutes next Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know what I mean. And I'm like, then the next week, because my rule of thumb is this: this might help coaches too. Whatever the age of the kid, my rule of thumb is per 60 minutes, that's their attention span. So if I've got a six-year-old in my room for an hour, in my mind, I've had his attention for six minutes total that hour. And that's why with a six-year-old, I'm going to repeat myself a lot more than I would with an 18-year-old, you know, because I'm expecting, you know, and even an 18-year-old, I'm right. still only having his attention about 18 minutes out of every hour. Yeah. You know, that's why, you know, for an 18-year-old, I'm going to handle a little different, but that's kind of my rule of thumb. Okay. So, and that kind of develops how I approach different age groups. You know, if I'm in the room with Garrett Ninehouse, like a couple of weeks ago, hey, we're touching on very details and it's very direct very quick and then he does his thing now if i meet your younger cousin from fort cherry who's a first year wrestler for an hour i'm repeating the same thing ever head up back straight hips on you like for the whole hour hoping that somewhere in there six minutes that he got at least that one lesson right right um, 
So elementary, talking about that attention span, you know, repeating the basics over and over and over again. But the, if we look at the reality of a six, seven, eight-year-old, they are so much under their parents' wings. You know, there, there's no, um, you know, they're doing what their parents are telling them to do in most cases. Um, and, you know, there's not a lot of uh, personal uh, activity going on, let's say. Now, when they get to junior high, this is one of the things I love about junior high. These are the years where they're coming out of those wings a little bit. They're starting to develop their own personhood. And this affects me uh, in my dedication to that age level in many ways. Number one, I want you know, I want to be an influence on their life at this moment. Okay. Uh, little nudges I found here and there at 12, 13, 14 can make a world of difference. Um, you know, one thing I tell the kids that age, look, when you were six, seven, eight, nine, you know, a mistake might have been not cleaning your room, like your parents cover up your mistakes, right? But now I tell them 13, 14, 15, you're getting into the years where one mistake could affect the rest of your life, you know? And so junior high, they're getting out of their parents' wings a little bit. They're trying to state who they are a little bit, develop their personhood. And that's when I like to have the impact on their life. You know, I like to be a part of that, you know, that development and say, hey, virtues are important. Academics are important. You know, um, yeah, wrestling's important, but hard work in wrestling is more important. Uh, developing these attributes. And so, and another thing happens at this age that's very important that, you know, it's now I'm, I'll contrast it against high school. When I coached high school, um, one of the things that, that I struggled with, you know, you've probably experienced it as a high school coach that wrestled, you recognize the talent, you know, their potential. It's almost psychology. You're trying to push the right buttons. You know, like that coach we talked about Newman jacking me up on the wall. He knew the buttons to push that day to get me to win that match. You know, right. he knew um, so in high school, there's so much psychology behind it. It's like, you know what they can do. They know what they can do. It's like convincing them that it's important to do it right. rather than go with their friends, go with, you know, girlfriends, cars, all these other variables are coming into the picture that aren't there in junior high, you know? Right. So, you know, you're looking at junior high compared to high school, you know, uh, you have all these other variables and it's kind of like, you know, you have those kids in high school. It's like, yeah, yeah, coach. I, I've heard that before. I, I got to go on this date. You know, it's like, Oh, and it's like the psychology and then elementary, they, they don't really have any of that, but junior high, it's like this golden era of like, they're a little bit out of their parents nest, but yet they're not into that, you know, um, this person. And, and to interject myself in their life, you know? And another thing about that is they're so happy, especially in my town after all these years, I've kind of developed a reputation. So our numbers have grown. It's like people even, I have guys that don't even want to compete coming to Canada, you know, joining the wrestling team because their parents want them to have the character development. Right. Yep. And, and they, they're like, my kid doesn't even want, I have kids that practice with me two years and never wrestle a match, don't want to wrestle a match. They want the character to their parents want it. They want, they want to be around me at this point because of, you know, a reputation that, you know, that's built up. And so but this is my ultimate point of that is um, they're so happy. Someone like coach Slack or coach hall or coach waters, coach Troy Gump are taking such an interest. Cause we do, like you said, you would take them in. You would, you know, we Absolutely. love these kids. They're like our own children, right? When we're coaching them, they're so happy that coach Slack is taking such an interest in these kids in junior high will run through a brick wall for me. Like literally, yeah. if I was like, Hey, we're going to pound our fist through that block wall and we're all going to be state champs here. My junior high team, 
Coach Slack said it. We're doing it. Whereas yeah. in high school, I'm like, hey, guys, we're going to run nine miles on Sunday morning. I'm like, man, Coach, yeah, that sounds all good and all, but I, I got stuff to do. Uh, you know yeah, I, mean? I got something like, going on, seven, Yeah, that's 17, Joe. But at, at, at 13, they're like, hey, Coach Slack said it. Let's do it. You know, and I yeah. love that. I, I love that zeal of that age. Yeah, you know? man. And talking about the golden year and uh, just talking about uh, and I had, I, I spoke to you off air and, and I've been kind of setting them up. They're coming on here in a couple of weeks. The Zanetta brothers, I did a round uh, table with them yes. and, you know, you spoke really highly of all three of the Zanetta brothers. Um, but uh, so I, Anthony talks such passion and, and, uh, and uh, existence on how much wrestling is a mental sport more than a physical mm-hmm. sport. And he went to as far as saying that wrestling to him was an 85 to 95% mental and 5% physical. Um, and for you to talk about the kind of psychology with you and on how you do things with the junior high level, um, if you can get them in the right frame of mind at that point in their life, then you know, because I tell everyone that, you know, that I talk to, um, you know, and obviously, you know, I feel like I've ended up pretty good in my life. And, you know, I have I have a lot of good people around me that kind of guided me the right way, whether that's Coach Johnson or Coach Gump or Coach Waters, whatever it may be. And, and they guided me and pushed me in the right direction. Those middle school years are kind of make or break years. Those junior high years are make or break years. Um, and to find someone like you who kind of takes pride in those make or break years to kind of push them in the right way. It, it, it's very, very um, admirable and, and very cool. So kind of wrapping up here a little bit uh, on the coaching, um, you know, we talk about what drives you 20, you know, you've been doing it for 20 years, what drives you day in and day out. This is a situation that's kind of a more um, topical, uh, a more current event type of uh, topic. Um, so obviously that's kind of been going on and the they want to take out the 106 pound weight class and move it up to whatever it is 110 or things of that nature and i really want to and i've had the zanettas tell their story because the zanettas um nikki russell 112 jj russell 103 and uh anthony russell 103 um you know aaron was a little bit of a bigger guy uh i had him on um but you know, I talk and and I had Coach Nauman on from Team Nauman. He was a one and three pounder as a freshman. Yeah. Now you're completely different. You're watching these guys come into high school, and they may not be big enough or whatever. What do you What do you think about that decision? And, and, and just in that general, those talks, um, just talk about that for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first, I would be remiss uh, since the Zanetta's about me. Um, I don't think there's uh, much better. Uh, uh, I mean, there's a lot of quality families in the Whippeal wrestling world, but they're right up there. Uh, yes. They're way to talk. I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, say one, two, rank people. Right. But the Zanetta right. family is top notch. Uh, they have all the respect in the world from me. And um, I've really enjoyed building a relationship, not only watching them grow as when they were young, I watched their whole careers, followed them. Now um, we've, coach alongside each other we've developed the relationship so i just want to say you know uh you know give that little shout out back to the yeah, man. The <laughs> they deserve people. it they've earned it right you, yeah, you give what you earned people. right um uh and then uh, what was the main oh, sorry i, I okay. this in, no the yeah. main topic was the 106 pound oh uh, yes absolutely yeah no, i got you yeah so like i said you know um 
first, you know, 1999, we had, you know, 16 kids on the roster. Okay. Uh, my first year junior high, 20. Uh, now we go with like 50, right? Um, right. At least, you know, I've, I've had years where I've had two teams. Uh, yeah, three teams that's before. what I was going to ask you. Because when I was in middle school and you were coaching, I remember you guys had Cannonback Blue and Cannonback Gold. Yep. I've had blue, gold, you know, uh, we even had a Shasta team once, but uh, yeah, definitely. So, you know, as far as getting, you know, addressing the 106 issue, um, first of all, so I'm a type of coach that if you gave me 22 weight classes, I would not stop until they were filled. You know, I just, I, I'm the type of coach, I beat the bushes, I've built relationships with the administration of our school district, all the principals, they know my stringent guidelines with grades, they're out there promoting me, I've, you know, I've been in the school district for a long time, I was raised here, I know a lot of the, uh, the teachers and principals, believe it or not, at this point, were my classmates, so I have great relationships, and so gym teachers will reach out to me, hey, you know, we got this kid, he's having a little rough time, we think he could spend some time, so people coming to me um sent to me by principals and gym teachers so i you know i'm the i'm the mind frame that if there was 25 weight classes in high school i would make sure by year three if not year one that that would be filled um so and it does take a ton of work like i my family sacrifices so much for me to do this and i can understand where um other junior high coaches um maybe would have a, a challenge or a struggle to put that level of dedication into it. Like I've, you know, I've quit jobs. I've changed my whole lifestyle because I believe this is a calling of mine. I believe this is where I'm going to help society the most. And, you know, uh, besides my faith and my family, this is literally the most, and it's right up there. You know, faith is one and family's one A, this is one B. I wouldn't even say two. Like it's, it's a, it's a little Trinity of my life. And I, I feel like I'm doing good and I'm changing the world. One wrestler at a time is what I always say. So to get rid of one Oh six or, or anything like that or any weights really, but especially the lightweights. Cause you know, it's not like, okay, Oh, what if we get rid of 195? Would you be all right with that coach slack? You know, that's not, you know, or, you know, whatever. So it's like 106 when we're talking wrestlers, like, you know, you know, you mentioned some names, but Connor Schramm, Marky Angle, all these guys, you know, um, Stan, okay. Connor Schramm was 130 pounds as a senior. Yep. Of course he's, you know, he's a 4.4 student, a super athlete. What other, sport is going to give him a full scholarship to Stanford, you know, at 130 pounds, no matter how perfect, uh, you know, that's one of the best athletes I've ever seen in my life, but he weighs 130 pounds. So not baseball, not football, not bat. you know, he's five foot six, you know, not basketball. There's no other sport. And here's a, here's a young man who's uh, athletic talent, whose mental drive, whose perfectionist attitude, you know, Connor Stram got his first B in seventh grade math. He was devastated that he took a month and a half off of wrestling, okay? And literally, he never got another B the rest of his life. Like, he was Doesn't devastated. He, he's such a perfectionist. And I'll never forget that. He had a B in seventh grade, and it devastated him. That's how much of a perfectionist. But here's, you know, what opportunities would he have had? You know, Dalton Macri went to Cornell University as a 125-pound, you know, senior. Okay, so wrestling is the one sport that will take the most – driven student athlete these are great students too cornell stanford you're not getting in there just because you're a pa state Absolutely. Kid, right yeah you know what i mean yeah 100 um, percent. you know our school district there was a point for six years in a row where uh we the wrestling put the highest scholarship 
out of, I'm talking anyway, academics, bands, anything, because we had the two Cornells, two New North Carolinas, the Stanford. So for six years in a row, we actually had the highest scholarship. And most of those kids weighed under 140 pounds coming out of high school. Dalton Macri, Connor Schramm, Colton yep. Shorts, you yep. know, those type. And so when you start talking about eliminating lighter weights, especially, okay, I mean, I don't want to eliminate any weights. I want more weights. I would, like an, <laughs> I, I, I would like an odd number. You know, okay. I, I, I don't like 14 because you saw what happened with Canamac and Waynesburg last year, 31, yep. 31, ninth criteria. And what was great about that day was, you know, I take my youngest son, who's 13 at the time, to a, a fitness center, and Jimmy Volcano's in there, and because uh, he works there, and uh, he says, "Ah, tonight's a big match, huh, Coach?" I say, "Yeah." He goes, "You guys don't stand a chance." And I love Jimmy, and he was kind of egging me on. He goes, "You guys don't stand a chance." Like, everybody <laughs> knows, it. you know, because our high school had not lost a section match since. And a matter of fact, oh, it was trust West me, Al- I know, I know. It was West Allegheny, actually. Um, you know, back in Tarquinio, Chris Lape, all those guys, they were the yep. Last and I'm never. I was so. It was my first year at junior high, and we lost to West Allegheny, and uh, in a section match. And I was dead. like in the '90s, we would have never lost to them. You know, and, uh, yeah. Of course, they were double A then, but um, yeah. You know, uh, and they were good. They were very good. They were winning everything back then too. Um, but anyhow, um, so you know, I'm definitely not a fan of you know. Uh, oh, sorry. Anyway, to finish the Waynesburg story, and of course. You know, he was the score. He was one of the score creepers, Jimmy Volcano. I'll never forget. As soon as match is over, it was thirty-one, thirty-one, and I kind of expected that we were going to lose for some reason. I was like, you know, because I felt like they earned it. I, I honestly did. I love the Waynesburg people, and they they had so many teams that should have beat us through the years, and. I actually started to feel a sense of uh, compassion for them because I felt like that if they didn't get this moment, that it, it might be devastating to their community. It's like, cause they were doing it the right way all these yeah. years. Yep. And I, I gotta be honest, like, even though I was upset that we were to, you know, that our streak was up cause we'd never lost a section match from my first year of junior high till now. So yep. we went 20 years without losing a section match, 133 matches. And uh, honestly, if it was going to be anyone, it, it was that group of people that I respect. Yeah, so much. Uh, I mean, but, you know, as far as back to the 106 real quick, you know, you know, give me 17 weights, give me 19 weights, give me 15 weights, give me 21 weights. I'll take it in a heartbeat. Um, But if you are going to eliminate weights, we're going to go back to 13, uh, you know, six, the lighter weights is not the place to go for wrestling. I think this is the one place where it gives the Connor Shrams, the Anthony Zanettas, a place to go get a full scholarship and to get out that competitive nature and that driven nature. There's no other sport that provides that. No other sport. Wrestling is unique in that way and we got to keep it that way. Yeah. And you touched on something that was very, and I had Tark talk about the same thing when I talked to him. Uh, you know, obviously at Tarquinio's time at, at West Allegheny, they were winning state championships for, in football. And he yep. played football all the way through, and he got into high school, and he's 103, 110 pounds soaking wet. And he's going up against seniors that are 225. You know what I mean? It just yep. – and, and you're 100% correct when you, when you talk about it like that. And just kind of putting my uh, kind of spin on, on um, the Waynesburg and talking about them, um, I actually lived with a kid for a year after I graduated college uh, who wrestled for Waynesburg. He was kind of like a 500 wrestler, a good friend of mine now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that town uh, and how they much they take pride in wrestling oh, and yeah. 
they are so hard nosed and so tough. I mean, they're and it's known they're a double A school that wrestles up in the triple oh, A, and it's so impressive to see what they've done. And mm-hmm. t- and you know, I, as a wrestling fan, I'm excited to watch you guys and them go out at the next couple of years in the section because they're going to be good for a couple more years too. Oh my goodness, yes, they yeah, got some next hammers, year, man. Next year. God bless them. I hope they win states. Honest to goodness, they, because they're they've earned good. it. Yeah. In my mind, they've earned it, and I hope they get it done. I have really um, all the respect in the world for them. And I think, you know, Coach Throckmorton, uh, who is for certain one of the best high school coaches in the Whitfield, there's no doubt in my mind. Absolutely. Uh, you know, he was a 1979 AA state champion, okay? And I think that plays into his psyche a little bit about this. Because <laughs> there have been people in their community – you know, when they were like losing to us, like one or two points every year, there were people saying, look, you know, we're beating Burrow every year and they've won 10 straight Whitfield championships in double A because they always wrestle a Burrow Waynesburg match every right. year. It's a great right. match. And uh, when we don't wrestle, I go watch that. Right. And, um, and so, but he stuck to his guns and look, you know, look at the, the fruit of that labor and yeah. uh, all, all the respect in the world for those guys. I love them. I love them to death. Wayne yeah, Wayne's absolutely. Great. And kind of wrapping up our conversation. Uh, real quick, real quick. Go ahead. Me this, go we, ahead. We keep mentioning uh, Ron Tarquinio, and I yeah, want to uh, combine two things here. Uh, way early, I talked about Mark Angle. You know, yep. Champion, just probably the best wrestler I've ever seen close up in my life, like in the same room. Uh, he actually trained uh, Ron for yeah. a while. And his he dad, talked about yeah, that on my podcast. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that in there that like, yeah. can of max influence uh, goes beyond our uh, body. You really got to twist that knife <laughs> in my soul a little bit there. Huh, coach? You guys, you know, beat us down for, for you know, my oh, whole high school career. That. And now you're going to twist that knife a little bit deeper. No, that, I'm just kidding. Hey, we it's break all... you down to build you up. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. And I'm going to wrap it kind of up like this. And, and I, I do everyone the same way and we're going to finish on kind of a fun note. Sure. I've been so, I've enjoyed our conversation so much coach Slack um, because there's not many people that I've ever been around uh, with the exception of maybe Justin, because I feel like you and him are kind of cut from the same cloth and kind of how you guys preach. And, you know, maybe that's why you guys have such respect for each other. Absolutely. Um, you know, wrapping it up like this and it's, and it's kind of a, a, a fun topic. And we haven't really talked about individual or specific matches at all. Give me, whether it's either an athlete or you being a coach, your favorite pin and or near fall that you've been a part of in your career. Uh, So this is actually very easy for me. Um, Okay. So this was maybe a handful of years ago. Uh, Cannon McMillan's going to – we're going to wrestle Kiski area and – in the uh, team Whippeal dual semifinals, right? And they're heavily. Is this favored. a Trinity? No, this is Her- at. Um, oh, where was this? I think Penn Hills or something. Uh, I, I think, think Penn I think, Hills. I think I was in the stands. I think I know where you're going with this, but go ahead. Okay, so um, I can't remember the location, to be honest. But so there was a kid um, from my church. Okay, uh, his name's James Aramanko. So okay. you probably, okay. Yeah. So he starts wrestling in eighth grade. I get him to wrestle, you know, cause at this time he's about five foot three, 247. Pounds, wow. Okay? Eighth grader. Okay. So I'm like, and I know him from church and I'm like, right. James, uh, I, I, I want you to come wrestle because I want to help your health. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, um, so fast forward, it's now his senior year. Okay. He's wrestling, 195 for us as a senior okay and he's like probably 5'8 at this time so you can see what we did for his physicalness so 
Uh, we're going to wrestle Kiski. They're heavily favored. I believe they were the first seed, and Bell Vernon was the second, or vice versa. And so we are either the fourth or third seed. So we're wrestling Kiski. They're they're favored. You know, I wouldn't say heavy, heavy, but definitely everybody thinks they're going to beat us. They draw the weight one ninety five. So James Aramenko is going to wrestle Tyler Worthing. Okay, who's at this point already a two-time Whitfield champ, okay, and yeah. is looking to win a state title this year. And James starts wrestling in eighth grade as a five foot three, two thirty-seven pounder. And here we are. So, and and I have a personal relationship with James, you know. Yeah. Our faith, you know. So I, I remember when they when when uh they drew him, I'm like, oh, this is such an important match. If we can get through this without getting pinned, this could be all the difference. Cause I'm a, you know, as all coach, good strategies. Yeah. I, I crunch numbers like you wouldn't believe, like 55 and and this is probably a secret i shouldn't share but (laughs) since we're trying to better the sport i focus on the ways that other teams can beat us i don't focus on how we can beat other teams when it comes to strategy when i'm doing lineups and um, i always look at i try to find every possible way another team would defeat us and i try to avoid that rather than figure out how we can beat them okay and that's a that's a it, it, it seems similar because it is similar, but it's, it's a twist. Okay. So I try to find the ways that I, I put myself in their shoes and figure out how they can beat us. So here I'm doing that. And I'm like, wow, if they get this pin, which everyone's expecting, then that's going to set them right on their, you know? Um, so I take him back in the hall and I literally pray with him because we have this personal relationship and his parents are fine with that. We do it. You know, I, I'm a Sunday school teacher. Right. So, yeah. So we go back in the hall and I said, look, you know, and uh, I, I touch on faith and I said, you know, you can do this. Not that like we're asking God for anything, but like just the faith, the self-confidence to believe in yourself. I said, every time he puts you on your back, I want you to muster up every strength, not just your physical strength. I said, I want you to dig down into your heart, your soul, and just know that no one can hold you down. I'm like, if, if 10 people were trying to hold you down and take your clothes off of in front of all these people and he stands there's no way Tyler Worthing with 10 people wouldn't be able to hold you down if they were trying to strip your clothes off in front of this crowd. Think of it that way. I'm like, you muster up every strength in your heart and soul. And yeah. every time he, and I was like literally saying to him, every, cause I was like, he's going to put you on your back. I was like, right. that's that. I was like, get it out of your mind. You know, he's going to put you on your back and he's going to put you on your back again. And he's going to put you on your back. Again. But every time you're going to, into your soul almost like the newman technique right right and yeah. uh and, and i'm like and you're gonna push off your back every time and if you can do that and even save us that one point we can win this match i tell you what tyler worthing comes out starts beating him up throws him around throws him to his back he gets off tyler worthing lets him up starts messing with him again throws him down to his back james zaramanko bridges pops up over and pins worthing oh my god pins them the whole place went nuts and you i just i looked over and i'll never forget it kiski's whole bench just went flat and i looked at the team and i was like we're going to beat them and we did we we defeated them you know as underdogs and uh we ended up eventually losing that was the year bell vernon had that amazing team they were tough yeah, that that was a great, great, great group. Uh, you know, you want to talk about Waynesburg. Tim Ayersman was a junior high coach during those years. Yeah. Uh, really, from his dad, who's a, a coaching legend, Joe Ayersman, all through the you know, 1989 was the last time that um, 
I don't know if it's the last time, I think it was, that they had won the Triple A uh, Whippeal, was 1989, and, um, and Joe Ayersman was coaching. So Tim, probably drawing on his dad's experience, built up that Bell Vernon team, you know. But James mm-hmm. Aramanko, that was, that was a fun, fun, fun moment. I mean, I've had a ton of fun moments, but that definitely, uh, you know, because like I'm saying, there's a kid that starts in eighth grade for just health reasons, and he beats his two-time Whippeal champ. And that just, I use that as an example all the time now to inspire kids to overcome odds, you know, in those situations. And one thing that happens here at Canmac, like a kid like James is, you know, we were talking a lot during this whole podcast about, um, you know, I'm, you know, how, why I think uh, junior high is important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the culture of the team is established in that age. Also the culture mm-hmm. of the high school team, that future high school team, if I can get them to be a band of brothers, to love each other, guy that, that knows that not getting pinned is just as important as their best kid on the team getting pinned. When everyone buys into that, you know, they, they take the ego out. It's about the team. That's why I think we, you know, one of the reasons why we have so much success on a team dual level, because our worst kid on the team cares just as much as the best kid on the team. And the yeah. best kid, and this is important about this, you have, the culture has to be, you have to, you have to, make your best kids realize that their career is largely dependent on the worst kid on the team. Yeah. I always tell my best kid, I'm like, if we can make the worst kid on this team better, then nothing can stop us. I was like, but if we ignore them and beat them down, this team's going to be limited on what they do, you know? Yeah. But that's, you know, on a fun note, that Zaramanko match is definitely way, it. way up there. And I just want to say one more thing, Don. Go um, ahead. And what was yours, a, buddy? Go ahead. Okay, thank you so much. Um, this is important. I had it in my notes to say. So, um, you know, I believe firmly that I, I read something a long, long, long time ago in a psychology uh, magazine, actually, and it said something like this. <clears throat> it said that the children who have five functioning adults uh, in, in, involved in their life, uh, meaning like involved means like, you know, a relationship where they're communicating with each other, if not on a daily basis, that pretty consistently five functioning adults. So of course, functioning adults could be, you know, there's some variance to that, but let's just say like, you know, someone that owns their own home, owns their own car, you know, has a job, maybe has a family, you know, a position in community and stuff like they're functioning, right? When a child has five of those in their life, they're, they're, the percentages of them falling prey to the temptations of, of life, you know, say like drugs and alcohol and letting their grades slip go way down. I forget exactly what the percentage this particular psychology magazine said. I can't remember the percentage, but it was the point that had it on me. So then I instantly said to myself, I said, man, that is so true because like we mentioned, I had basically zero parents, you know, uh, you know, uh, my coaches, my teammates were, were my family. So for the, for in large part, and um, right. so I dedicated myself, I said, I'm going to try to be one of those, you know, one of those five people to, to all my students, I'm going to offer that, you know, some of them take advantage of it and some of them don't, you know, right. So, you know, if if a child is born into a stable home, let's say like with a mom and a dad that live in the home, you know, there's no divorce situation. There's two, right. You know, um, you know, maybe they have grandparents an aunt and uncle, a a teacher, a principal, you know, and maybe a coach. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think that's important uh, for maybe, you know, uh, a parent like you you and a coach like yourself, you know, I, I would advise parents, you know, um, you know, and wrestling's a good place to find good men uh, to mentor because 
you, let's face it, wrestling coaching is uh, not that, right? I mean, uh, I lose tons of money by coaching, you know, I get like what, like a three, $4,000 salary at Canon Mac for coaching yeah. and I'm yeah. leaving work two, three hours early and staying there all night, you know, so you, you, as, as, as uh, scholastic wrestling coaches, high school and under, we're losing money by coaching. So we're there for the, for purpose. the love. Yeah, exactly. For the love of the sport, the love of mentoring, um, you know, so you know, if I'm a parent and I want my kids to have a, you know, one of those five wrestling, in my opinion, would be a great, great place to find that other person. You know, maybe there's a single parent out there, you know, through all my years of coaching, I've had a lot of single moms that bring, you know, students to me. And it's like, you know, so they're lacking a father figure in their house and, and those kids, you know, they'll take to their wrestling coach. Here's a tough guy, a macho guy, you know, a hardworking guy that's instilling all these virtues in them. And they'll take to me as a father figure, you know, so there's hopefully one, right? Yeah. So as, as a parent, you know, uh, you know, any parent that if they're looking for good mentors, uh, for their children, uh, look into the wrestling, uh, the sport of wrestling. Cause I think, you know, chances are the percentages are high, just knowing the yeah. whip you yeah. there's so many great coaches in the whip you you know, so many, we're talking about Waynesburg and West Allegheny coach waters and Ayersman and Throckmorton. And we could go on forever. Chris, Mary. So if I, if I'm a parent out there and I'm looking for the place to help mentor my son become, or my daughter, let's face mm -hmm. it. Right. You mentioned yeah. I had a three time, you know, female state champion. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not exclusive to boys, but if we're looking for mentor for our children, wrestling is an excellent, excellent place to uh, look into that. And coach, I think we're going to kind of wrap it up on that point because it is, you talk with such passion and, and throughout this entire uh, podcast, there's one thing that you kept doing over and over and over again that I absolutely love is you said you refer to your wrestlers as students. You never referred to them as athletes. You, you never referred to them as wrestlers. You referred to them as students. Um, and being from someone who, you know, I didn't get the greatest grades in high school and I kind of didn't listen to that side of things. But after I realized quickly how much, the, how important those are, whether it be you go to a trade school or go to college or whatever you may do, and you talk about you went to the Carpenters Union, found your way. Um, and that's so important talking about wrestling and, and the, the values that ensues. And just because you wrestle doesn't mean that all these things are going to go right for you you got to have someone that pushes you in the right direction with it um so coach i really really want to thank you for coming on you got me super inspired i'm ready to run through a brick wall myself uh, <laughs> oh, i just i just enjoyed i enjoyed our conversation so much man and uh you know i can't wait to uh kind of meet up with you at a tournament and kind of talk to you and and really uh just keep the uh the relationship going forward um, but with that being said, I'm going to wrap it up and thank you so much for being on, uh, for you guys that are listening out there, be on the lookout. I have my next guest or the Bonaventure brothers, uh, that I talked to you about off the top. They are, uh, they started a D3 nation podcast. It's called D3 nation. Um, they're coming on next week. Um, and I, I talked to them They're they're, uh, going to talk about their story they're twins so they got a different aspect than anything i've had on before which is going to be super cool um and you know i have a bunch of good guest lines uh good guests lined up uh into the future i have mason beckman from mm. quest wrestling oh, club uh due to come guys. on and uh, obviously you know you guys being right down the street uh yep. with jim Akerley and them guys oh, so yeah. 
So uh, with that being said, thank you guys so much for listening to another edition of Near Falls with D-Hall. Thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's been my-